This is the A to Z podcast. Zach Jackson, Andre Knott, at Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott, on most of your favorite social media platforms, facebook.com slash A to Z podcast, A to Z podcast.com. We are coming to you live Sunday night slash Monday morning. I'm in the Denver airport. Andre's in the comforts of his own home, I assume, unless he's in real trouble. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are getting ready to recap um, another day in Brown's history. I I don't know. You're going to have to talk for a minute while I try to put these thoughts together. Yeah, I, I can do that. Um, shout out to Zach for, for coming through. Uh, he's in the airport, as he said. He texted me as soon as he got to the airport and said, do you want to do a podcast? I chuckled and said, absolutely. The Cleveland Cavaliers would like to thank the Browns for being who they are. Nobody knows that they lost by 20 at home tonight and gave up a triple-double. Um, and to be quite honest, in true Browns fashion, there's so many stories, but there's so many different ways to go with this. Um, you know, in every pregame show today, getting ready for the Browns, everyone talked about the penalties. And everyone talked about uh, the turnover. Uh, and the Browns, and in, in, in only the way the Browns can, they did not have a turnover. They won the turnover battle. They won the time of possession battle. They won the yardage battle. Um, they did. They they won the turn. They won the actual penalty situation. Even though the penalties that they did get came at just completely bad times uh, and were ridiculous. But and there was only four or five of them. And it's still and saying all of those things, we sit here and we scratch our head after another loss. And it leaves this team at two and six, and you're still questioning coaching decisions. You're still questioning the offense. You're still questioning what's most important to certain players. And then we have a situation that's truly Berea in December that we'll have to get to at some point in time, where you have a player still dressed, shooting. I shouldn't even use the word shooting. Uh, using social media to tell everyone that he wanted to end up on Deadspin if Deadspin was still a thing. But as you know, here on the A to Z podcast, we don't even mention Deadspin because we don't want to be a part. <laughs> of anything that they have to do with it. Well, what you're saying is we're questioning the makeup of the team, right? Um, yeah. Because one guy literally had to change out of clown shoes, and his explanation was four days wasn't enough to get new cleats when yeah. there are 550,000 pairs of cleats in the locker room alone, right? Um, yeah. And then you have yeah. one guy in full uniform, his cleats still on, firing off tweets, um, threatening to kill people. So um, the makeup the maturity, the composure, the poise. Um, you know, Dre, it's one thing when you lose games because everybody does. The Patriots got their asses kicked yep. tonight, right? I didn't see much of it. Yep. I know the score. I saw 10 plays, and Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson were running wild on six of them, right? Um, it's right. just when you're talking about by Brown standards, okay, we're talking lowest to low, weirdest to the weird. Make you bang your head into the wall, right? Uh, and, of course, right. they start the speaker announcement right behind me as I'm trying to make a point here. Um, <laughs> but then, So when you start talking about by Brown standards, eight games in, you're not sure if this coach is right. Eight games in, your receivers are doing these things, and you're like, what is going on? Right? You, you go play a game. Everybody knows you should win. You don't tackle. You don't make plays. You don't finish drives. And then after the game, all the attention for non-football reasons is on cleats and death threats on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that just comes back to, and I know it's easy to point the finger at the head coach, and he's a big part of this. And there's a lot of questions that come along with him. But it's a word that we continue to say on the podcast. You know, Every time we go through these situations, and we keep going back to culture. Um, and, and, you know, 
this morning on the pregame shows is you hear people talking about, you know, the different matchups. Obviously, the New England uh, Baltimore matchup was a big one, and it was very interesting for me to just hear how different people reacted to it, how people said this is going to be a good game. Both teams, you know, they have something to play for. They respect each other. They play hard. And it surprised me the people that, that were able to take Baltimore because they were like, hey, it's a big night. It's a big game in Baltimore. They're putting Ed Reed into their Hall of Fame. They're going to show up. These, and I had a lot of people say this to me this morning, and I kind of chuckled. And when they did it, I thought, well, that's who they are. Same with Pittsburgh and Indianapolis. I looked at that game, and I go, well, Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh. Even though they're not better than Indy, they'll find a way to win because they're at home. Not at, you know, the, the idiot kicker. And I know he's not the idiot kicker. He's just the old-ass kicker. Uh, would miss the field goal that you know, gave me basically at the end of the game. But they played a certain way. They play with a certain substance, Zach. They play to win games, but they play it a way to be who they truly are supposed to be. And the Browns are doing that, too, because they have no culture. And it's it's just everything. Like, to me, like, you, the, the, like the Beckham thing, and, and I don't want to – I don't want to be that guy when it comes to Beckham, but I am right now. Every freaking week, and I use the word freaking because usually I use the other effing word. But every freaking week, it's every week, it's something. Every week, it's it, you know, it, it's like one week it's the pants, one week it's the visor, one week it's like think about that. We've had more OBJ uniform bullshit than wins. Like every single week, you said there's 200 pairs of shoes, you know, in the in the in, in inside the locker room. You're Odell Beckham Jr. You're, you're, you're one of Nike's guys. You can't tell me that four days ago when you knew that you were going to wear their all-brown uniforms that Nike wouldn't have been able to take care of you. Stop with this bullshit. Stop with all this other stuff that's so meaningless. You wanted to wear the clown shoes. Don't give me all that bullshit. You wanted to wear them. You've obviously you've been a problem every single game almost when it comes to your uniform. Now, I know Landry does it, but that to me just signifies what is most important to you. What is most important? And it's being a fashion icon, and it's having likes on Instagram, and it's having likes on, on, on Twitter. I don't want that shit. I don't, and I don't think Cleveland Browns fans want. Like, who wants to be a part? And then think about it. Like you said, in true Browns fashion, of course the shoes are clown shoes. I mean, Thanks. You, you couldn't make it up. You really couldn't make it up, right? And then the part with Whitehead, oh. it's not funny. Um, and it's not just no. because Dustin, who's our friend, is one of the people that he's threatening. But, like, this, we say this all the time, Dre. These guys are taking years off their lives every Sunday. And we have the utmost respect for what it takes to play in this league and what it's like out there between the lines. And, of course, there's emotions. And, of course, there's anger. And, of course, it's personal when you have a bad game and people are looking at you. But when you don't have the poise to handle it, and it's reflected in how you stand up and look at the camera, how do you dress, how your team travels each way, right? When you were doing that... It is just it. It is a sign that everybody's out for themselves. That the mission is well. By now, the mission's aborted. I mean, it's November third, and you're out of the playoffs with with the offseason right. champions of the world. But just all these things right. going back to last week, which we haven't even talked about, right? Um, you know, majoring in the minor, they change, they petition to get the uniforms. They wear the shoes, right? Right, and then then the tweeting incident. Like it sucks for these guys to stand up there and talk, right? Like, I, I get it after the games, but it is part of their jobs. It is written clearly in their contracts, and it is on them as professionals because they are professional yes. football players working for a billion-dollar franchise in a multi-billion-dollar industry to stand up and answer the questions for the camera. 
right? To not go on and do that and reflect poorly on yourself, your team, and everyone who's ever met you. And you go around that locker room, and halfway through the season, it just still still feels like 53 individuals. And it feels like all these questions are ridiculous, but they're valid. Because what do we see? What, when, when does the truth come out? Every Sunday at 1 o'clock or 4 or 8.20, yep, right? Yep, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. It, it does. Here it is. It, 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 and, here, and, and it's like, I mean, I, you know how much money we could have won or lost if we would have went to Vegas? At the beginning of the season, and said when you were going into Week Ten, that one team would be six and two, and one team would be two and six when Buffalo and Cleveland played <laughs> at Cleveland Brown Stadium next Sunday. Think about that. Like, you, and I keep going back to like, and are they a better like on paper? Would you want Buffalo's roster over the Cleveland Browns roster? I'd say no. But once again, we go through these things. Like, and, and I've said all along, and I remember saying to you, I remember saying to you when the whole Kareem Hunt thing came along. I was like, I'm not worried about the receivers not getting along, about they get the ball thrown to it. I go, I'm worried about when you get him. Because suddenly, and look, he's not going to be a top five running back next week, but he's a top five running back when he's right. Mm-hmm. Nick Dubb's the top five running back when he's right. right. But now your coach doesn't put him in on third and three or fourth and one. Like, 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 like and, I, and, and I don't want to be that guy, but it comes back to Freddie at times too now. And it's like, well, Freddie, what are you doing? On third and shorts, or even when you in fourth and one, when you want to sneak the quarterback, you got Hilliard in the back in backfield. If Chubb is that tired, if he's that something, you can at least say, "Hey, Nick, just go back there and stand and don't move." That at least gives the defense something else to think about. I know Freddie knows more football than me, I, and I know that this it, like, and we all get so caught in the moment that we say things about Freddie or about coaches because we're frustrated. It seems so simple, but it is simple, and it and that's why it's bothersome. I, I now text you once a week, every Sunday, Jim France offense once again beating the Browns. Jim France thought process beating the Browns. And my point is the most remedial high school thinking way of coaching and the, the most standard way of coaching is beating them because they can't do the standard things. Blocking like, why do you not have blocking and tackling? It's that simple. Blocking and tackling. Ah. <laughs> uh. This is the A to Z podcast. We are presented, as always, by Cleveland Scene, by the Honeymoon Grill, by American Fireworks, and Cleveland Whiskey. Um, we try to talk other things other than, than the Browns, but it is Sunday night slash Monday morning. Uh, it was a day in Browns history, so here we are. I'm in the Denver airport, and we're talking <laughs> about all that we saw and heard. Um, yeah, Dre, Chubb not being in is unexcus- in three short yardage plays is inexcusable. Yeah. Um, when it happens yeah. once, you know, there was either a miscommunication or there was a rotation and he didn't want to bust it, right? Um, when it happens three times, like you said, just having him in there, I mean, this is a rare talent. And right. Um, it just speaks to the overall um, operation, right? I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the every – I said this earlier – we talk about every game in the NFL taking on a life of its own, right? Every team has good players, even even the Dolphins, who won today, right? Even the Redskins yep. and the Bengals. Uh, and every team matches up differently. Every team has coaches that put in hundreds of hours of work and has access to all the film and all the scouting reports going back to high school and all of these elaborate coverages and shit that will just blow your mind or bore you to death or both, right? So <laughs> it comes out. And, and there are upsets, and there are things you have to do tactically, and there are plays you just have to make. In basketball, we call them 50-50 balls, right? Yeah, um, yeah. 
But the problem with the Browns' offense is that each possession, they're like starting anew. You truly right. don't know what to expect. I mean, I think this is the third straight game we saw two or two and a half quarters of pretty good from the passing game, right? The rest of the time, right. it wasn't good enough. Um, and, and, you know, after the bye week, you clean things up, you self-scout, you get your own tendencies, you throw some plays out, you put some plays in. Well, this week in a game you needed to win, and you knew you, you, knew you needed to get the lead and put the pressure on this quarterback and this limited offense. You just got to get Nick Chubb going. You know, it's just got to be if, – if you overdo it, you overdo it, and you rest him another week, right? And it didn't happen. Yeah, Because right. that, that is who you are and that what works for you. And, and I'll say this. Farrell Brown was out. He's a blocking tight end. He gives them a lot. Yep. I mean, if you're if you're missing him that badly, then woo we maybe you weren't well, as talented as you thought from the start. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Half the conversations on on radio throughout the week are about Hollywood Higgins. No offense to Hollywood Higgins, I like his name. I even call him Hollywood now after for, after two years calling him Richard. But you have two of the best receivers and two of the highest paid receivers in the NFL, and I got to hear about a third wide receiver that may just be a fourth receiver who's a decent pro. But that's where this team is at right now, and and. And we didn't. We tried to connect and talk about the quarterback earlier in the week before the game. And his antics are, are, are pretty juvenile as well. Whether it's the cutting the mustache after the game and screw, like to me, all that just that just shows me a lack of what matters most. The whole grossy thing is what it is, uh, and I don't even have to get into it because I don't have to get into it. But his decision making, and this is where I think a big problem for him. And I think the big thing with John Dorsey, who make, and whoever made the decision to make Freddie the coach, the decision's been made. As you've I've always heard me to say, the toothpaste is out, of the, is out of the tube. You're not putting it back in. But the issue that I, I'm starting to get is not suddenly the quarterback that we all thought. We had this conversation a little bit on the last podcast. But to continue that, the quarterback isn't getting better. And whatever Freddie and Ken Zampezi were doing with him a year ago, you saw him progress. But now he's at that point. That throw to Landry on fourth and four after the third and one, you didn't get it trying to run Chubb on a play that wasn't even blocked, but that's nor here nor there. But that's why you got Odell. And I heard Dustin say this in a post game, and he was absolutely right. You know, the fourth quarter was a big Odell quarter and a big Chubb quarter. They basically went all the way down the field in that last drive just with Chubb and, 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 and Beckham. When you get Beckham one-on-one, and I know Chris Harris is a well-thought-of cornerback. He can play his position very well. He's a veteran. And I don't know if you saw this, Zach. Landry got the ball tipped twice. If he would have made the play, it would have been a spectacular catch. And, and Od- Odell said all the right stuff post-game. I kept caps off to him. He said he would throw to 80 10 times out of 10. I heard that, and then I'm still thinking, and I, and I respect him for that because he very easily could have said, fuck yeah, throw me the goddamn ball. I, I got one-on-one coverage. That's why I'm here. And I'm not trying to beat up on the quarterback. And I'm not trying to beat up on Ryan Lindsley because I don't even know him, and I think he's a good guy. But there's a difference between having a quarterback. Like, like in any situation, I've watched this happen with the Indians. I've watched it with others. Former players that just got done playing, coaching, guys that they played with or guys that they, were, that they knew, it's a difficult thing to do. It's, it's way different than a coach that's done it for years and years and years than someone right out of the league. The, the Browns and Dorsey have allowed a very young, a very young offensive coordinator, head coach, a very young quarterback coach, basically the first time doing it. They, think about that. They're letting these guys that are that are that are that are rookies, kindergartners, bring up and try to cultivate this quarterback that you need to be your quarterback. 
It's not a good move, and you see it every Sunday. He's not progressing. That's a bad read. When two guys run to the spot that Jarvis Landry is going to go running to on the biggest play of the game, and he doesn't see it, and he still tries to force it in there. When you got Odell Beckham Jr., a guy that's got clown shoes, the guy that's got Gucci watches and everything else, he's got a car with him grabbing a ball with one hand all over it, and the worst paint job of all time is on your fucking team, and you don't throw it over to him with the safety not over the top? Right. That's not good coaching. That's not good coaching. <laughs> I haven't seen the replay of that play yet, you know, amid all the madness. But I absolutely right. trust what you said and what you saw and, and several other people who I know they know what they're watching, kind of said the same thing. Um, Baker trusts Landry more. That part is understandable. You know, they called time no out, which was the right thing to do in that spot because it's, no it's fourth in your life. Um, you should have called time right. out 20 seconds earlier. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you look at it two ways, Dre. And, and, again, what do we say here? It can be both. It can be in the middle. Um, yeah. He, he, he knew where he was going. That's the play they called, and he was always going there, and that's bad. Right, yep. um, but it could have been good. Also, it's just it's just not the Odell Buckham experiment has been a freaking disaster, right? Yep. For Odell, for Baker, yeah. for the Browns, and you know yep. what, what, what I don't get and what I'm going to have to dive into is any sport, right? One of your lead guys struggling, you got to do things to boost him, right? And that's in the manager, yeah. the coach's office, one on one, which we don't ever mm-hmm. see. You know, that's with his position coach, coordinator, trainer, whomever it may be, get back to the fundamentals. And then you give that guy some plays. If it's a point guard, his favorite place, right? If it's a pitcher, right. if it's a pitcher, you tell him we're just gonna we're gonna hit these spots right now for six pitches. Right. right? And take the rest yeah. from there. We're gonna get you in a groove. And I just see every single drive, I see something new from the Browns. There's just no traction, there's just nothing to build on. And even on that last drive. When Chubb and Beckham both just made plays to get extra yards. Third and one, the Broncos knew exactly what was coming. And on fourth down, they did too. Because they had two guys deflect that pass. How often do two guys get credit for a pass deflection in the NFL? Not often. Only when some, Usually only when no. something crazy goes off someone's helmet or the side of someone's hand right. first. Right? Right, um, right. And the red zone offense stinks. And the fade is not a super high percentage play. But why is Odell here? To make those because points. he can make yes to be the yeah. dimension that you he... he's here to be the dimension that you haven't and instead he's a black hole and he's sucking you in and it's not right. all on him and it's right. not all on Baker but the quarterback is regressing the whole operation seems lost which seems a Monday to Saturday thing that's carrying over to Sundays and the guy who makes all this money and brought all this fanfare and brings all this extra in made two plays tonight and just two, and they were the first freaking two in weeks. And he has no real chemistry with your quarterback who's swimming and your head coach and play caller who's swimming. And so let me get to this. It's 12.47 a.m. Eastern time. I don't know what's going to happen on Monday, on Tuesday, after the Steelers game, after the season. I don't know that Fire and Freddie makes it any better, but for the second straight week, it's a valid conversation. And to go back to the top of the show, even by the Browns' standards, as ridiculous as it would seem to fire the coach eight games in, they're not getting better, Dre. I could argue that today no. was the worst since week one. Well, it's up there. Well, And I'll go back to the Jermaine Whitehead situation. And the scary thing for Jermaine Whitehead, and the cool thing about the the thing that he had going for him before this 
is that the casual Browns fan got to watch the game every week barely knew who Jermaine Whitehead was. Or is, right? The average fan. You know, as you get deeper into it and as you really pay attention, you may get to know who he is. And then you find out, because I remember a couple of weeks ago and I kept seeing his name, I, I kind of looked him up and I was like, oh, yeah, that's the dude that the Packers had to cut because he slapped somebody. Right. And I remember kind of chuckling. And I remember kind of, right? And I remember kind of chuckling to myself. And not like a laughing at him chuckle, but just kind of a like, damn, you get getting cut for hitting somebody in the NFL. You got to be a dumbass. You know, like, not even dumbass. Just, it's just you know, I, don't want, I don't want no smoke. Literally and figuratively, your man. <laughs> um, and I remember thinking to myself, man, if Doris thinks you're talented, he'll let you, you, you get a, you get to come right into the door, right? And then when that happened today, I'm like, you know, Jermaine, you had a good thing going, man. You're playing every game. You're out there, you know, whether you had a good game or bad game, you're making a good living, decent living. You're, you're, you're building up a pension probably towards the NFL. And most people probably don't even recognize you most of the time. You had a shitty Sunday. It happens to everyone. People miss t- tackles. The Browns miss more than most than other teams. But everybody's missed tackles. And there's been DBs that have made a ton of money and become great and then patted on their back. And some have put on yellow coats even though they couldn't really tackle, but they were, you know, they made a bunch of plays. So you had a horrendous day today. It happens to everyone. And we always talk about social media and when to say when, and if you have to question it, then you know you should not send it. We've had all those discussions on this podcast. But I heard something when I heard my guys, um, Gerard Cherry, I was listening to the radio, and Emmett were talking about something. Gerard said something that, that hit home for me because it kind of goes off of what you always talk about with social media. And Gerard said for him to think of a player, and I'm taking it, and I'm not saying verbatim what Gerard said, but I'm giving him credit because it, it shot on for me. He said for a guy to come right off the football field and to get on his phone and start tweeting and tweeting the madness that Jermaine Whitehead was willing to, to tweet, to him that showed a reckless abandon and no respect for the organization of the Absolutely. team that you play for. Absolutely. You have right. You have no fear. You have no respect. You don't give a shit about anybody but you. And if that's what continues to keep happening from these players, that is a reflection upon the Cleveland Browns. It's not Jermaine Whitehead. It's not. And same thing. And I hate. And some people won't like this, but I go back to last Wednesday or Thursday with what happened with Baker Mayfield and Tony Grossi. I'm not the biggest Tony Grossi fan. I get it. But there's something about being professional. It's something about carrying yourself and being someone that looks like you always say you dress. Our dad's told us you dress for the job that you want. You act like the job that you want. No matter how bad somebody pisses you off, no matter how stupid the fucking question is, no matter how many times it's asked, no matter how many different ways it's asked, no matter how bad their breath is or how bad their outfit is or how, how fat they may be, there's yes. still something about having some freaking respect for people. And, and that's what we see at 1 o'clock. I know you guys go back and forth and you want to kill Mary Kay, or, and not literally, but you want to talk crap about her about Twitter. You want to talk crap about Grossi or Zach or me or whomever. But none of, when, when of those, because most of you guys realize this, but when do those people that take, their, take the size of the players think about, damn, what's wrong with just being professional? Right. Like when I go to Chick-fil-A, man, they, they're so nice to me. They, they make the chicken, they, they, and they, they don't mess nothing up. Thank you. Have a good day. And we mock that, but that's the job. That's what they're, they're told to do. Be professional. Make people feel good about themselves. Because <laughs> I got to tell a funny. 
because we all know Popeyes is going to come out and they're going to do the best joke ever. They're going to come out with the best chicken sandwich again on a Sunday when they know we're not even open. But that's that's a whole other conversation. What is wrong with being professional? So when we sit here right now and we talk about Jermaine and we talk about what Whitehead did tonight, and he should never play a game for the Browns ever again. He really needs to get his head looked at because this is ridiculous what he did. And if you read Zach's story on the Athletic, I won't give it all away. I had heard bits and pieces of what you wrote before I read what you wrote today. But for an official for the Cleveland Browns to tell someone, hey, man, and I wasn't there, Zach was, but for an official to say you need to take those tweets down or that's not how we you know, do things, and for him to, to go back at him, that represents no respect of the Cleveland Browns, right. no respect for your teammates, no respect for the fans that pay for your to pay for it, no respect for the reporters that come to do their job and just tell the story, and no respect towards the man that played the sport that you played and played the position you played. If you allow that to represent you, then then the Browns don't give a shit about anybody but themselves. We have we have always said that in pro sports, perception is reality, right? And there's exceptions. Yep. But for years and years, why have teams had their own PR staffs? Because to an extent, they got to control the message, right? Because to an extent, mm-hmm. they, they need to get out there. And why in the modern day do they have PR staffs and radio shows and Instagram teams and social media coordinators and managers and directors and whatever? Because you sometimes you're in a bad spot. Everybody loses, right? It sucks. I've worked for a team. I know. Dre works for yeah. slash with the team all the time. Yeah. <laughs> he knows, right? This is how it goes. But Right. Something really struck me last week with Baker after that, and it, and it rings even truer tonight with, with Jermaine Whitehead. You know, when someone said, and I know Tom Brady famously had that one spat with a reporter, but someone said, you know, how, where do you see this? And I know people love Baker because he's Baker, right? And he's unapologetically Baker. And Freddie's different, and, and this is, you know, Jarvis Langer was given away by the Dolphins, and they represent all of this. But at the core of it, and I'm not not to bring Jarvis in it because I think he's an absolute pro's pro. At the so core of it, this shit doesn't go on anywhere else. It just doesn't. It nope. just doesn't. I don't want to hear it. So please blame Tony Grossi. You guys sound like right. such losers. Blame Mary Kay. You do. You guys sound like such losers, right? The Browns have a tremendous right. culture problem. It's it's being dunked on you. It's being drilled into you <laughs> again and again, and it's just sad, guys. It's just sad. They've had a really bad few weeks. I'm not saying firing coach, firing the coach is the answer. Certainly not saying it isn't. I'm not saying that they don't need well, a total reboot well, in culture, in leaders in that locker room, in guys that can freaking tackle. And I get it. Uh, you know, when you win, you dance, right? right but listen, right, let me tell you this. Right. Early, when I was up with the time change and, and the time zones and all that. I was up at 5.45 a.m. today, Denver time. And it was brought to my attention because I'm always talking about social media and on social media with this podcast and my job and everything else. It was brought to my attention that a high school football player in the area had had a post. I don't know if it was Snapchat or Instagram. I saw a screenshot of it where he threatened a coach of a team that they played. And it was an indirect threat. I don't think the cops are really going to threaten him. I think maybe they talked to him, right? But this is a 19-year-old kid, right? who really, um, you know, needs an imaginary slap and his parents need an imaginary slap and the rest of it gets solved by the team running until they puke on Monday and then the kid sits out for a quarter or a half and everybody goes on and he learns a lesson about how dumb that was and how he embarrassed his parents and his coaches and his teammates and put himself before the team. 
right? More than a twenty-six-year-old adult is doing it, Dre. Right. Amid uh, all this other shit, it's so, so, so embarrassing. Right. Who are you letting in your locker room? Who are you letting in your clubhouse? Who are you allowing this to be your culture? If I, if I am the owners of this team, that's got to be a question that's got to be asked tomorrow morning. That's got to be a question. Who are we? What are we representing? Why are we constantly in the news for the wrong reasons? Constantly. Oh, you know, like pick the media constantly. You are in. The, you have more public relation nightmares than victories. And and every time somebody goes, "Oh, fire Freddie, fire Freddie," I see it tweeted the whole time. You guys know that whole thing about insanity, doing the same thing. Oh, I know you guys do, and I'm not talking to that. But think about this, and I want everybody to breathe on this. You guys tweet out, "Fire this guy, fire this guy, fire this guy" every year. And the same people keep going through the same process, and you keep seeing the same thing happen over and over again. They haven't changed who they are to change the culture to say, this is the standard we're going to go by. Whether it's Romeo Cornell, the coach, whether it's Eric Mangini, the coach, whether it's, it's Pete Summer, whoever. Because the same, like right now, and this is sad, for as bad as it was under Hugh Jackson, Hugh could run a game better than Freddie, Freddie Kitchens. It's just the truth. I mean, it's you know, it's the tallest midget contest, and, and you know, and, but but the truth, the truth is the truth, y'all. Like, who would you, he, pay, for, and, and, who and, would you pay more for on cameo, Freddie Kitchens or Hugh Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Freddie, all the way. <laughs> I don't ever want to. I don't ever hear need to hear Hugh talk ever again. I like. I want Freddie to go back to being Freddie. Freddie wasn't ready to be well, a head right. coach. That right. wasn't that wasn't Freddie's fault. It yeah. wasn't Freddie's fault. He wasn't ready. He was not ready. But, th- but why? And we go back to this. In a culture, why would you let this guy lead you at this time, at this point in time, when you haven't established who you are and what you want to be? So you have a quarterback that's immature and a little bit of a dick at times who leads you and he gets to speak for you once, twice a week. You have a head coach who never had the experience of having to be in the spotlight like this, and he sounds a little bit like he's from Dukes of Hazard, and that's fine, but it gets made fun of as soon as you start making mistakes. Like, you just go down. Like, these are the people that represent you. You have this Uber star who's more of an Uber star than a football player, to be completely honest. And and he. I'm going to bite my tongue. There's something about him that reminds me of someone else, but I don't want to talk about it on this podcast. Sometimes people talk. Some of the most long winded talkers, they feel like they're smarter than you and they feel like they're, they can talk their way through anything. That's what I hear sometimes by a <laughs> All I'm saying is sometimes when I hear Beckham and his long-winded answers, I think he's a really cool guy. I think he's intelligent, but sometimes I think he's just trying to talk through anything because he thinks he can just he can talk through. I, yeah. I just call bullshit. All right, listen. <laughs> Sorry. So Sorry. I, I got a board here in about 15 minutes. So I want to make sure this gets uploaded for the morning. Okay, so we're going to shift right. gears um, onto a couple things here. Um, first of all, I just want to say, guys, like, football's supposed to be fun, right? And I, when you have an emotional investment, I get it, you get angry, right? And, and that's why Jermaine Whitehead was responding to tweets, um, because people were angry, and I get it, you, you got angry and picked a side and the thing this week. And even today, I mean, it, it was just, it was so embarrassing for me during the game to click in my mentions of a tweet and see random fan bringing up Tony Grossi time and time again. Just, just, just get a grip. But I do want to say, like, 
is I watched the London game because I know they have, what, four or five of them every year. And two years ago, I got to go over yeah. there and see that. Um, this is the first one I got to watch this morning because uh, the Browns didn't play till later, uh, and it was on at 730. I had seen bits and pieces of the others. But right. what I remember from being over there is two things specifically about the football part of the experience. They loved the kicking place, right? They just went nuts on any <laughs> any any extra point, field goal, punt. They just went nuts. But as you walked the concourse, they were there in just like the most random jerseys, right? It was Browns Vikings, and people were there in a Moose and Muhammad Panthers jersey, right? And oh a Robbie Gould Bears jersey. That's just and as they uh-huh. pan, as they panned the crowd today, and there was a Drew Brees jersey in the Texans Jaguars game, right? And there was a Lawrence Taylor jersey. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, this is cool. And so who if, who knows if those are Americans, um, if they're transplants, right. if they're just there, or if it's. Uh, British people who said, let's go to the game, and they got on eBay or whatever, and they found a jersey. Like, it's cool. It's fun. And and I tell right. that story because when I was up at 545 this morning, um, I had gone to bed really early. Frankly, the altitude kicked my ass. My sinuses are bad this time of year anyway. And I was in Colorado Springs for the first couple of days where it's even higher than Denver, and it just it was bad. I, I was in a bad, bad way. Remember, you wanted to record on Friday, and I said, I can't hold my yeah. head up. I can't, I can't do this. Right. So anyway – it's like 5.45 Sunday, there's nothing up, there's nothing open. So I ordered some food to get delivered to my room and just basically started working and, and got ready to stretch myself out. And so like 6.25, there's a knock on the door with my food delivery from DoorDash or Uber Eats, whatever it was. And there's this maybe mid-50s guy dropping off the food, and he's wearing a Clinton Portis Redskins jersey. And I just, uh, you know, uh, I was all groggy, and he's probably looking at me like, what's wrong with you, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I look back at it, right. and I just said, hey, man, have a good day. And he said, you have a great Sunday. <laughs> and I just thought, man, we love football. We're lucky to have it. And I'd love to tell you guys yeah. eventually the Cleveland Browns will be back, and it'll be fun again. But because, honestly, in the, in the okay. hours of past that, I was texting with friends saying, remember the first three weeks of the season when it was actually fun to, to, yeah. refer, to yeah. look forward to the Browns games? You know, and it's just right. all, all these off-field circuses and all the stuff that points to them not not just not being ready, but not being about winning. It's just such a turnoff. It just really is. Yeah, it's, it's not a likable really... team. It's not a likable team right now, and I hate that because guys like Odell and Jarvis are super likable. Miles, super likable. Denzel Ward, the nicest kid in the world. Joe Schobert. Right? right, like Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon, those dudes are characters. Like people, should, Larry Ogan, Joe, be great guy. Like you should love this team, and you just and it's and Freddie, right. right? He's the everyman. He looks and like Freddy. a Clevelander. He acts like a Clevelander. Right. He cusses like a Clevelander. Right. He just has a little bit of a twang. Uh, <laughs> right, and right. Instead, they're this. All right, one story as we as we get out of here. So, right. um, if you guys have listened, you know our sponsor is American Fireworks. Uh, we appreciate them. They've been with us a long time. And I heard a story this morning that makes me think that someone is listening um, to American Fireworks. One of the things we do on this podcast is we talk about outrageous sports parents and lack of priorities and whatever. Um, apparently this weekend there was a 7-8 year old football championship game. Um, I'm not going to say where or I'm not going to say who. I don't know if this, this got out there. <clears throat> but one of the teams um, knew they were going to win and obviously listened to the A to Z podcast and knowing of the top quality products <laughs> in American Fireworks and Hudson. They went and purchased a bunch of high quality, high dollar fireworks, Dre. And they brought them to the game. And when they won this Super Bowl of seven and eight year old football in, in the Cleveland suburbs, they decided to lay these fireworks out without permission, 
without telling anyone oh, and on someone oh, else's school property. They let them all oh, off. Great. <laughs> and so little Billy, and little, little Billy and little Donnie and little Jermaine, who clearly oh, are all going to the NFL someday. This is just the first championship. They celebrated in broad daylight with their parents shooting off fireworks. Uh, and the, the cops and the administrators and everybody running the tournament saying, what in the hell are you doing? So listen, don't be like them and shoot them off where you're not permitted to. But be like them and hit up AmericanFireworks.com because they're open 24-7. They're in Hudson. They're good people. And listen, they're pissed off about the Browns, too. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I have more to say, but that's the best finish ever. I'm done. <laughs> Kenichiwa, Bottle Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>